Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Sex and Science Hour. Happy Friday, Sex and Science Hour sweaties. Yeah, what's up? Isn't woo my line? Like that's... Well, I mean, I feel like we can kind of share that since we're, you know, together and all. Yeah, I already took it from people in the past anyway, so... There we go. Yeah, you borrowed it from Ric Flair, so what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, deny, deny, deny. Just like Hillary Clinton denying that she's really a... A reptile? Well, Well, all all manner of things, really. So we got an email last week, and we ended off the show with it, actually, from a guy who said, here, I got a conspiracy theory for you. What if there's a secret Hillary Clinton body double being made at this uh, (laughs) Dolce base as a secret alien, a secret base between the aliens and the U.S. military, joint operations, special forces? And we were like, well, you know, that's not really that crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. but we didn't really take it that seriously, I suppose. But then this week, the, the, the guy was right. The shit hit the fan this week with Hillary Clinton. What happened? Well, she was at some kind of 9-11 event in New York City because 9-11 was last week. And yeah. She collapsed, and then she tried to, like, her campaign, like, wouldn't tell people what was going on, and they said she had pneumonia. But, you know, there's, like, some suppressed video of her getting in this car and just, like, completely just flopping over and falling. And she's got two doctors traveling with her. One's, like, a physician, and one is allegedly a neurologist. So what healthy person travels around with a neurologist? And now there's, like, I don't know where I stand in this, okay, but... Mm -hmm. Um, there have been presidents in the past, like I guess LBJ had a body double that was like actually his cousin nah. and then something went wrong and he had him killed or something like that. It was, I don't know. This is, uh, take everything I say with a grain of salt. I don't want to like turn up missing, you know, next week or anything like that if I say something bad about Hillary Clinton. But Yeah, I mean, you know what happened is... to Harambe. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I better be careful. Uh... <laughs> what did he know? Or she? <laughs> anyway. I think Harambe was a male gorilla. Yeah, it was a male. Um, All right. <laughs> But anyway, Brian, <laughs> uh, this is a, I, like I don't know where I stand on this. Like I was saying before, but well, I've she's been, not standing. I've been reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not able to stand. But some of these conspiracy theories are actually really interesting. I've been looking into them more. Like mm-hmm. I've been taking them more seriously over the past week because I went to medical school for a little while, so I know a thing or two about neurology and strokes and things like well, that. And you know, I could. You know I, what the system something's taught you, weird you know. about Hillary Clinton. That's for sure. But is it just that she's a politician, or is she really sick, or is she actually a body but you double? Repeat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's true. <laughs> um, so you know, basically, she collapsed in public, and they said 
said it was because well first they said it was because she overheated and she was dehydrated which does not fit in well with the theory that she's a reptile that doesn't look good yeah you know where they can't regulate their body temperature the cold-blooded things right well i mean she would be she would take the heat. The heat wouldn't be an issue, you know. She also. Oh, so you're saying that's evidence that she's actually warm-blooded? That she must be human. Oh. I okay. would say. I mean, also, she right. can, like I don't think reptiles get pneumonia. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I've never heard of a reptile with pneumonia. Yeah. So. Well, they were saying all these kind of contradictory stories. Oh God. <laughs> they were saying all these kind of contradictory. Did you ever have pneumonia? <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Brian, what are you doing Not calling Brian, me this late Brian, at night? What's the matter with Sonny? What's... Sorry. <laughs> All right, we're off the rails. I apologize. Yeah, we uh, we didn't even start the show on the rails. I think we were completely <laughs> off from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so there's all these conspiracy theories playing on. People are saying, well, she's really way sicker than she looks. You know, she's got this, like, medical device, like, falling out of her pants suit. Um, <laughs> somebody said that. Somebody said she's traveling with a stroke specialist or a neurologist or something like that. Uh, um, there was one that I saw from, I think it was from the, the Alex Jones, you know, Infowars people uh-huh. where they, where they were alleging that when she hit her head in 2012, when she fell and like she has some kind of post concussion syndrome and they evidenced this by the idea that she makes these wildly inappropriate, like facial reactions. Like, you know, there's a meme of her at the DNC convention when she gets a nomination she's like, Whoo! You know, (laughs) just making this face that's like way over the top for what's even for what's going on. And then there's like this video where a reporter like there's a bunch of reporters talking to her at once. And one of them asks a question and she starts like she starts like flipping out like her head is like waving around like a wild, like a weirdo. And and it looks really strange. And the reporter's like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? And she kind of just tries to laugh it off. But it looks very weird and like. And then there's, of course, the video where she gets asked this question about, like, Bernie Sanders or about, like, you know, um, uh, uh, oh, God, what was that scandal where the... Um, the email scandal? No, no, not the email scandal. The um, Benghazi. Benghazi, yes, okay. that's it. Uh, she gets asked this question about Benghazi and she just cackles for, like, uh, like 30 seconds, like a yeah. way inappropriate time frame. Yeah. It was just like socially inappropriate laughter and exaggerated facial expressions. And so they say this is all symptoms of this post-concussion syndrome and she's got like dementia or she's got something wrong with her brain. Wow. And that's evidence of that. There's also a woman who is like this British woman, Teresa Barnwell, who allegedly makes like hundreds, you know, she makes like six figures as a Hillary Clinton lookalike. Uh-huh. And she was tweeting something like, I might have been in NYC on 9-11 or something like that. There's like, there's no reason for her to be there because she's British. You wow, know? what the hell? So, yeah, the, the, the conspiracy theories are really interesting. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I suppose if someone's really that high profile, it's like, yeah, they probably do have a body double. Uh, but I just wanted well, to give give a little credit to that guy who emailed us last week because I wasn't taking it that seriously. But then I started to this week. <laughs> the shit at the fan. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny because you didn't, but yeah. <laughs> well, seriously is a relative term. Yeah. yeah, I started looking into it more and being way more entertaining. Well, you knew something's up, that's for sure. Anyway, speaking of reptilians, uh, <laughs> we've got a turtle that is quite a stud on our hands. Oh, Diego the Lover Boy Turtle, a tortoise. Oh, I love this story. <laughs> you found this story. I love filed this. under tortoise sex on Gizmodo. I'm pretty sure there's not too many other stories in that category. But anyway, well, there should be 800. This is by Darren <laughs> no, Orr. Like 23 babies at a time or something. 
something. Anyway, go ahead. Diego the lover boy tortoise sires over 8,000 baby tortoises, saves his species. Some acquire greatness through intellect or unbridled creativity, but Diego the tortoise sexed his way into legend. Diego, 100, is a rare breed of tortoise called 100. Ladies. <laughs> Diego, 100, is a rare breed of tortoise called Chelodonus hudiensis. These animals are so rare that they only exist on one of the oldest islands in the Galapagos. In yeah. 1976, while Diego was living at the San Diego Zoo, scientists realized that this handsome hero in a half shell was actually one of the last remaining tortoises of the Chilonotus hudiensis species. Diego then became the dominant male in a captive breeding program in the Galapagos. Over the decades, Diego has sired more than 800 offspring and effectively saved his entire species from extinction. For his efforts, he quickly became an internet celebrity, receiving the honorary title of... Fuck tortoise. <laughs> That's just great. That is. Now, great. He's like the Genghis Khan of turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tortoise Khan. I mean, he's he's really something. I mean. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, if there's not many left, what else are you going to do, right? Well, everybody wants genetic diversity, right? But you don't want to have everybody descended from the same line, because that's kind of like a little bit incestuous. It's like a genetic bottleneck. But if there's not that many of them left, what, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, I love the story. I, I love the tortoise. I think the tortoise is such an, you know, I love the idea of biomimicry. You mm -hmm. know, which is the idea of like copying sort of what you see in nature and everything. Yeah. And I think the tortoise is such an amazing animal. Really, its only flaw is that it just it has this incredibly small brain. Um, you know, the more something looks like a dinosaur, I think, the more it got it right the first time evolutionarily. Oh, because, oh that's a statement. Right? Because like turtles really do look dinosauric. Well... And that means they haven't changed because why mess with success? Well, there's, well, there's something to be said for that because, I mean... I don't know what the average age is of a tortoise, mm -hmm. but a lot of tortoises, even long. the giant ones, can live to 250 years old. That Man. is remarkable to consider that they would have seen, like, that there's there's a tortoise on this earth that could have effectively seen, like, you know, almost the Revolutionary War, uh, you know, or, I mean, could have seen, like, the birth of America in a way. Yeah. Uh, like that. I mean, that, that turtle in the Galapagos may have had a run-in with, like, Christopher Christopher Columbus. Yeah. Right. I think I mean, I think what's interesting about, you know, evolution playing it right. The fact that they can live that long is because they're so good against predators, but they're not violent. They just go right into their shell. Yes. And which have is a nice why day. the tortoise should be the symbol of uh, people well, who love freedom and live and let live. I think so. I, I've been saying that, that for a That should while. be the libertarian mascot as opposed to fuck porcupines. Okay, turtles are where it's at. Yeah, shields, I mean, or, you know, a shell. That's evolution that works. All right, here is in a half shell, turtle power. Woo! We'll be right back. This is Sex and Science Hour. All right, we're back and we're going to talk about Sugargate. Brian, Hit you know about this, pizza right? Now. Well, you may want to hold off on that because apparently carbs are bad for you again. We knew that carbs already. Carbs are bad. We, we knew that already. Beer's but... bad. <laughs> yeah, beer's bad. Pizza's bad. Yeah. But why does it taste so good if it's so bad? Well, it's it's because it's literally like crack. I mean, there's we've covered a study on Sex and Science Hour before that, that showed like literally just how addictive um, sugar is. It, from a brain perspective, it triggers the release of all these neurotransmitters and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's very addictive. And I, I can speak to that from personal experience. I um, I was overweight as a kid and a teenager. I went on the Atkins diet in 2002 when I went to college when I was 18, lost a bunch of weight, looked awesome. 
um, stayed it, maintained it, um, stayed low carb for like 12 years after that. And then in the last couple of years, I fell off the wagon. I started eating some more carbs again. Oh, you still Not amazing. everything, you know, just within reason. Like I ate gluten-free stuff, but, you know, I because I'm allergic to wheat. But I've never seen you touch bread. Nope. I've, I've only like gluten-free bread. Never, yeah. never like wheat bread because um, I know that's just going to be really bad news. But, but you know, um, recently I started getting back to my low carb roots, and I it's just amazing the difference in how you feel. Like I feel almost like a completely different person. It's kind of scary in a way because like when I'm eating low carb, I just feel so much more on an emotional even keel. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more energy. It's sometimes it's hard to fall asleep because I have so much more energy. Um, but it's, it's like a, it's not like a quick burst of energy like you would get from eating something sugary. It's like a sustained, like a flame, you know, like my body's like incinerated. It's like a, putting a big log on the fire instead of putting like a piece of paper on and it flames out and dies quickly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like a warrior goddess or some, something like that. Damn. All right. I mean, it's amazing. And I can do more athletically. I I don't know. My body just really likes it. I don't know why I went back to eating carbs in the first place, but then when I have like a cheat day or I'm like, well, I should do, you know, do the carb cycling thing. I should once a week have a bunch of carbs. So my metabolism doesn't forget how to digest them and whatever you're, you know, it's supposed to boost your leptin levels. So you lose weight faster. I don't, I don't fucking know. I'm agnostic about carb cycling but when i do that when i go back to it i feel like so just fat dumb and happy it's not even funny (laughs) fat dumb and happy that's how i feel like fat because i'm bloated dumb because i'm just like la 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 everything's great like nothing nothing to see here can't do any intellectual thought and um you know my emotions kind of start to take over i think i feel a little bit just more like I don't know, just like less grounded and happy because I'm happy. And then I can finally drift off into a nice sleep. I have such a good sleep when I eat carbs. I just fall asleep. It's really amazing how those things affect your body. And it's because they release all these neurotransmitters like serotonin, right? Because carbs release serotonin and makes you feel a certain way. So the drugs that that we put in our bodies, I'll tell you, I don't need anything. I mean, give me a box of low-carb pasta and that's like you know, party for a night. I don't need ecstasy. I don't need cocaine. I don't need alcohol. I don't need nicotine. Just no, I just don't need potatoes any of that. and yeah, rice. No. <laughs> anyway, so Sugargate, um, how the sugar industry shifted blame to fat. Basically, you know, there's a bunch of long articles that have come out about this this week, but basically it has been revealed. It was published in a study in uh, actually the journal of um, uh, JAMA, the uh, journal of internal, uh, sorry, Journal of the American Medical Association, which is a big fucking deal. That's mm-hmm. a really reputable medical journal. It's one of the most reputable besides like the Lancet. Well, I mean, the Lancet's down there and uh, New England Journal of Medicine. Um, they, there's basically evidence that the sugar industry paid off scientists at Harvard a small payoff, $50,000, to basically... You know, kind of cherry pick the data and blame saturated fat for heart disease instead of sugar, which yeah, sugar when, has a lot of role in it. So when did this happen? Um, this was uh, 50 years ago. 
Wow. So it's people, we've literally been living a lie for so long. I mean, a lot of people have figured it out that, hey, this whole like the bullshit that the government tried to push in the 90s about, oh, eat low fat and it's way better for you and it prevents heart disease. That's bullshit. In fact, the Clintons ate like a low fat diet (laughs) for a long time. How's that working out for them? It didn't work out so well for them, apparently. (laughs) Uh, I got this uh, newsletter from like one of the meat companies that I order meat from online. So, of course, it's a totally biased source. Sure. But they had this whole thing about like, well, in the 90s, the Clintons ate this like Ornish diet, which was like low fat. And then they switched to Atkins, which was low carb, but it doesn't it kind of ignores like the omega three fats and the and the inflammatory foods of the paleo. And they really should have been eating paleo all along. And then maybe they wouldn't be in this health mess that they're in right now. So (laughs) and all the shit they used to do to food to make it like fat free or low fat. And you have to add sugar and all kinds of other like texture yeah, stabilizers just to, to it just right for it even. to taste like somewhat normal that's oh. the, that's the thing that i realized when i started eating low carb back in the early 2000s was that you can make sugar substitutes pretty easily but you can't make fat substitutes nothing substitutes for fat yeah you know what i mean they had those olestra potato chips Oh my God! May cause anal leakage. Do you guys remember that the Wow potato chips, where they were they were fried in the shit that make your make your ass have oily leakage. I was like, you know, kind of like Rob Wolf and some of these other guys. They always say that they they should really rename fat to energy. Yeah, because that's effectively what you're eating. And I mean, and there's 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 been so much research on the fact that that fat, fat. Running through the human body is what allowed the brain to develop. Oh, your brain is mostly fat and cholesterol. Exactly, right. I mean, all of these things like cooked foods with fat, lots of fat, is what, you know, was the forward uh, surge force of evolution, you know, that led to human beings being able to sustain these huge, high functioning brains. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, it's ridiculous that the claim was made that this stuff's bad for you. Uh, not at all, you know. But they ran a very successful PR cam- campaign, and they successfully demonized fat and made sugar n- into the not bad guy. Well, so, as I understood it, they paid the people off. It they did. They like, paid, it was a literal payoff. Yeah, it wasn't just like marketing. Like they paid these people off to you know to to lie, and and some people. I mean, you know, I, if you want to read some of it, sure. But I just want to say, I mean, like some I know some people on Twitter, uh, you know, knowledgeable people were saying. That these people may, you know, they. I, I'm not saying I agree with this, but I get the point. I get the sentiment. You could say they're responsible. They're for responsible the for thousands, thousands and thousands of, of deaths, millions over the yeah, millions perhaps of deaths and over the past. 50 how many years. healthcare dollars have been spent on diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, all the shit that's caused by sugar? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's. I don't even know the word reprehensible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it, yeah. it's abominable. <laughs> now, yeah. It's it's a scandal, like uh, of the highest order. It, it, is. it is. It is. That's a why scandal. we're calling it Sugargate, because it is a scandal. Yeah. I mean, and what people have, boy, how to put this? I, I, I mean, that, that they let this go. Um, that that people were that anybody that said something different, like you know, Doctor Atkins. Uh, yeah, you know, lot of oh Lauren my God, Cordain, they were horrible. Lot to of Dr. other guys, Atkins. They laughed at them. Literally. Yeah. And boy, that that gets me so ticked off when I mean, and this goes beyond just medical research in any scientific field. When somebody comes up with a wild idea way back when they got laughed off and then, you know, 100 years or 50 years later, you find out, oh, shit, they were right. 
there's, you don't need to laugh at theories that have some kind of evidence behind them. Now, if there's no evidence or something, it's some supernatural crap. Okay. That's a lot different. Well, but, I mean, talk about pulling shit out of your ass. Like you read some diet books and it, there's literally nothing in the department of science to back it up. Right. I have a degree in biochemistry. I have a PhD in it. Okay. I've studied a lot of biochemistry from the undergrad to the graduate level. I read Dr. Atkins's books and they're based on science. He has the hundreds of citations in his books. Yeah. He's he's building off of the the very fundamental biochemistry that's been solidly established since 50 years ago yep. and he's using using that as part of nutritional science and he was right. Yeah, and they did the work to try and falsify their claims, which is the most important thing you do in science, okay? I mean, this is where yes. problem this is where problems come up with like, you know, flat earth theory and that kind of bullshit because there's no way you can falsify it cuz they'll just say, "Well, if they took me up into space, it was all a trick and like I'm looking at screens on the, or something." Like you can never falsify it, you know, or you, you can't even attempt. You know, they won't allow you to attempt. It's terrible science. But but these guys really did their homework. They really, I mean, they showed, they attempted to falsify it and their data came up right, you know, and pretty much what you had was is PR and a lot of buy-offs of scientists yep. that said, nope, this, this fat-free thing is the way to go. And the establishment trying to push this line and, and a right. lot of people bought it, but some people didn't. Thankfully. Now this is, I, I would have to say, like, I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist, but if there's any conspiracy that I kind of believe in, it's this. I mean, because this is, this is absolutely from my own experience, true. And unlike a lot of other conspiracies, like who shot JFK? Okay. That doesn't affect my life very much at all. Who did 9-11? Well, maybe that affects my life a little bit more, but not as much. This carbs make you fat and fat doesn't make you fat that affects my life quite <laughs> <Yeah>. a lot <laughs> yeah so i have a lot of you know a very big incentive to look into this for my own health so sure anyway uh, i want to read a little bit of this before we get too um too much into talking about it okay um the sugar industry this is from the new york times big sugar, sugar. who bo broke this story the sugar industry paid scientists in the 1960s to play down the link between sugar and heart disease and promote saturated fat as the culprit instead, newly released historical documents show. The internal sugar industry documents, recently discovered by a researcher at the University of California, San Francisco, and published Monday in JAMA Internal Medicine, suggest that five decades of research into the role of nutrition and heart disease, including many of today's dietary recommendations, may have largely been shaped by the sugar industry. They were able to derail. Sorry, they were able to. De they derailed was, it all right. So dramatic they that I fucked up that they, word. They derailed it. They did. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. Yeah, leave it. They were able to derail the conversation about sugar for decades, said Stanton Glantz, a professor of medicine at UCSF and an author of the JAMA internal medicine paper. The documents show that a trade group called the Sugar Research Foundation, known today as the Sugar Association, paid three Harvard scientists the equivalent of about $50,000 in today's dollars to publish a 1967 review of research on sugar, fat, and heart disease. The studies used in the review were hand-picked by the Sugar Group. And the article, which was published in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine, minimized the link between sugar and heart health and cast aspersions on the role of saturated fat. Even though the influence petting evil even though the influence peddling revealed in the documents dates back nearly 50 years, more recent reports show that the food industry has continued to influence nutritional science. 
Last year, an article in the New York Times revealed that Coca-Cola, the world's largest producer of sugary beverages, had provided millions of dollars in funding to researchers who sought to downplay the link between sugary drinks and obesity. Funded by Coca-Cola. Sure. I mean, this is a lot like the dairy industry where they they fund, you know, tons and tons of quote unquote research. Really, they're just funding people to say what they want. It's like, oh, yeah, this Mm -hmm. is great for osteo, you know, or this is great for that. And when (laughs) in June, the Associated Press revealed or reported that candy makers were funding studies that claimed that children who eat candy tend to weigh less than those who do not. (laughs) The Harvard scientists and the sugar executives with whom they collaborated are no longer alive. One of the scientists who was paid by the sugar industry was D. Mark Hegstead, who later went on to become the head of nutrition at the United States Department of Agriculture, where in 1977, he helped draft the forerunner to the federal government's dietary guidelines. That's the food pyramid. So this guy was taking payoffs before he even got to work in the government. And then that's where he went. You know, yeah, I think a point that this really highlights is that the idea that there is a pure science that is not uh, uh, influenced mm-hmm. by monetary means or goals yeah. is bullshit. Yeah. It doesn't even exist he, anywhere. Right. I mean, there's always a bias. Even when uh, researchers are funded by the government, by the NIH, National, National Institutes of Health, mm-hmm. they think people say, oh, that's unbiased because it's funded by the NIH. Well, ignore the internal politics that goes on about who gets funded and who doesn't and which projects get funded. But... Even even if you're saying the NIH is funding people, they are still an organization with an agenda. They're not going to fund studies that say the government is bad or the NIH is bad. Well, and what do you even have to what do you what does it cost to apply to the NIH right. and it, whatever it else? It costs I mean, money. To get grants from the government, it costs millions. Mm-hmm. To get grants from I mean, you already pay up millions of dollars just to get grants from the US government. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, there is no such thing as science removed uh, you know, from from some kind of, uh, you know, profit uh, motive, I guess you could say, at least in our world today. It's just not there. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was just a blatant payoff. And yeah. then it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Um, another person who took the payoff was Frederick J. Stair, the chairman of Harvard's nutrition department. So these people were very influ- became very influential in their careers, and they built a whole career on a house of cards based on lies paid for by the sugar industry for only fifty fucking thousand dollars. Unconscionable. That's the word I was trying to think about before. Unconscionable. This is unconscionable. Well, I love you know I love the old question. Well, without government, who's going to fund science? I don't know. Big sugar. Yeah, they're doing <laughs> you know, it anyway. The sugar industry will fund it just yeah. fine, it seems. And in fact, they'll fund it, you know, in their direction. And if you think yeah, the government fund doesn't research do that either, saying that Coke makes crazy. you skinny and oh. Coca Cola makes you skinny, and oh, you know. the messages that this story says—not just the health messages, but just like how it how it tells you how the system really works. Oh yeah, it's so crazy. It's no wonder that people flip out when like hackers, heroic hackers, and others, you know, try and try and uh, get like science journals out from behind paywalls and from servers, you know, or not just science journals but research and everything. It's probably because they're hiding it because it's going to go against the established narrative that millions of dollars has been spent on to keep it going alive. Because you're going to have to deal not just with governments but corporatism. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to deal with corporations and governments. And so, uh, yeah, no wonder IP is such a big fucking deal. Unbelievable. Anyway, please, please continue. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about it. I mean, the article, of course, goes on, but, um, like, there, there's a, there, that other documentary, too, I haven't watched in a while, but, uh, uh, what was it called? Fathead? 
where they show basically Ansel Keys and how he cherry picked data to implicate saturated fat as like oh. a driver of heart disease. He wasn't involved in this payoff thing, but Ansel Keys is another key player. He was like a Harvard nutrition researcher who basically made the most cherry picked graph in the world that kicked off this whole thing about fat being bad for heart disease. Where he took these country, he took like nutrition data from different countries and he plotted it on a scatter plot, an XY scatter plot of how high the rates of heart disease were on one axis and how high their consumption of saturated fat was on the other axis. Yeah. And there were some outliers like France. France consumed a lot of, you know, people, generally French people consumed a lot of saturated fat, right? Because cheese, you know, that dairy products. Mm -hmm. But they had very low incidence of heart disease. And that became later known as the French paradox. But he was just like, I think I'll just leave that out of my graph because that doesn't fit my conclusion that I already drew. And then there were some other countries, too, that he left out, like maybe Denmark and Sweden. And I forget exactly what they were, but it's in Fathead, the, the documentary. So, yeah, I mean, and we forget stuff like breast milk is full of saturated fat. Right. Is our babies having heart attacks? No. Well, that's why they need to drink their formula. You know, that's funny, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't even get started on that. Yeah. I mean, formula, margarine, all this stuff like that's uh, all been proven to be bullshit. Yeah, but for a fats. while it was pushed as is the, the real deal. Yeah. Now, so people wonder why people are skeptical and don't trust the government's rec- recommendations or yeah. industry recommendations when it comes to health. This is why, okay? Yeah. You have to get on your critical thinking cap, and I'm sorry if you don't enjoy that, but it's, it's you know, kind of the only thing you can do for your health or find someone you do trust, like Sex and Science Hour. Woo. Don't trust me. <laughs> no, yeah, don't take your diet advice from us. I mean, yeah. do, your, do your own research, but Hold I on. mean... Let me go grab another peanut butter whoopie pie. I'll yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I just want to say something really quick. Yeah. And that is, is that, you know, I think some people might take this kind of story and say, see, science is bullshit. They just make it up as they yeah, go Yeah, no, along. science well, is not bullshit. I mean, it's just the way that the political incentives come in that corrupt the process of science. Exactly. It's a corrupt version of science. Exactly. The scientific method is solid. It's the system that fails. Yes. Okay. The right. scientific method is just fine. And I think that's the most important thing for people to learn. You mentioned critical thinking. That's so important. But just learn. You don't have to know everything you know but uh you know you don't have to have all these facts like stephanie you amaze me at how much you know like i mean you know just the, the factoids that just burst out of you is phenomenal <laughs> i'm you full know? of them yeah and you don't have to be that but at least understand the scientific method that way you can think the stuff through that people are telling to you and you know wait a second there's data points missing something's missing here that wait a minute this is this is leaving shit out i mean the scientific method is as solid as a rock in my opinion it's just the system is really fucked up Anyway, the system is always fucked up. No matter what system it is, it's always fucked up. Anything centrally planned is fucked up. (laughs) You, 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 it just doesn't work. It's the system, man. Yeah. Yeah. Stick it to the man. Yeah. Peacefully. (laughs) That's right. Good job, Ryan. Anyway, we have a great Smart Dumb segment. We're bringing back the Smart Dumb. Um, By the way, this is episode 24 of season two, and we're going to do 25 episodes and then call it a season. We're going to take a three-week break, and we'll be back after that with season three on Sex and Science Hour. So... For season for for season two, episode twenty four, second to last episode for this season, we are bringing back the smart dumb segment, and we have got a great smart dumb. This is from vocative, vocative. How do you pronounce that? Vocative. Oh, vocative. Of course. Fuck. 
Hey, I'm gonna leave what, that in too, you I, know, because I don't, I'm confident. In I myself. screw shit up all the time, so you <laughs> know what? We're, of we're course, even. we're even. Oh my god! Never make fun of people who mispronounce things because it means they learned it by reading it. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> I, I say that all the time. Never insult people for reading. Okay, smart dildo company Woo. sued for tracking users' habits. Oh, oh, tell me more. Oh. Tell me so you much more. You mean the more. dildo that you plugged into the internet is tracking you? This, this, you don't say. <laughs> this harmless IoT. Tell me all about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, the internet of things has gone too far. So WeVibe uh, is a smart dildo company or smart sex toy company. It's Ooh. not really accurate to call them a dildo because this thing isn't really a dildo. It's like a... It's a vibrator more. It's a, Yeah, it's a vibrator, I'd say. Uh, we vibes makers sued after customers find out they know all about her orgasms and also her email address. A woman, this is by Sarah Morrison, by the way, provocative. A woman is suing her dildo manufacturer for knowing too much about when and how she uses it. A few weeks ago, two researchers told the DEF CON hacking convention audience that we vibe smart sex toys spend a lot send a lot of data about their users back to the company that makes them. Oh, sex and DEF CON. Really? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, isn't this, it gets better and better because it got days. revealed at DEF CON, someone the hacked the dildo. <laughs> Hack the planet. Uh, <laughs> according to Courthouse News, one WeViber took this news hard. A woman known as... N- <laughs> took it hard. <laughs> took it hard. <laughs> Licking them good. <laughs> <laughs> a woman known only as NP. I guess they're reporting on the buzz about this story. Right? Ah, the <laughs> buzz. <laughs> a woman known Known only as NP, filled a uh, filed <laughs> a class stands for no that penetration. Was my mistake. <laughs> filed a class action civil suit in a federal court in Illinois against Standard Innovation, which makes the WeVibe line of sex toys and corresponding app. Uh huh. Now I previously thought. Now I have to. I have a bone to pick because I thought that WeVibe was this progressive sex toy company. They make a toy called the, well, I think it's just called the WeVibe, right? And yeah, it's they like have different a, numbers. It's like There's a like hands-free, the... yeah, they have a couple different models, but it's like a hands-free thing. It's like it's C-shape. It's kind of like a clamp, and one piece kind of goes inside the woman's vagina, and the other piece goes onto her clit, and it kind of grabs onto you itself so you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And you can actually even wear it while you're having sex with a guy for hands-free, uh, or for while well, you're having sex with a penis or yeah. a phallic object, even it couldn't didn't, doesn't even have to be a person, really. Yep. Um, so <laughs> it lets you do this hands free thing. And I've heard WeVive advertise a lot on these progressive sex podcasts that are supposed to be all, you know, um, like like mindful of things you know like they they use vegan iot or privacy they don't make like animal products you know they don't use leather in their products they're like you know hit like hipster approved vegan cruelty-free sex toys but Uh yet they're tracking you and they're sending your data back to a big evil corporation well yeah i I mean i I don't know hypocrisy yeah i don't know if i ever heard them like give a shit about i mean because at the same time they're like like if they really cared about privacy they wouldn't have a facebook uh like page for their business and you know i don't know like there's varying degrees i i I don't know that they ever cared that much about in fact maybe they might even be never they never advertised that they were like a privacy centric company to be fair yeah i I mean you know there's a thing now with the millennials uh, called radical transparency. 
Oh, and, I mean, well, this is pretty radical. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they're into that. Too. And radical transparency, the idea is, is that... I don't think, I'm pretty sure nobody gets off on sharing their masturbation habits with a corporation. Like, maybe with a lover, but not with a corporation. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, I mean, the beauty of this story is, bottom line, is that... People tell you, look, what what does it matter if you're, you know, if your uh, vibrator connects to your phone? Like, who gives a shit about that? No, you don't understand well. <laughs> the picture that that paints about you, you know, and like and what it what it shows to these to these advertisers, you know, and all this different stuff. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I mean, it could be used to harm you in many different ways, right? Like, sure. It could tell when you're at home. It can tell when you're alone and vulnerable, or maybe you're locked in a bedroom. That would be a good time to break into your house for someone who's watching or whatever. Well, I mean, it could be used to embarrass or shame you if you let, you know. Not if you let it, but I mean, some people wouldn't be ashamed about having this data released on them, but it's private for for a lot of people. They just don't want others knowing about it. Well, even used to market to you. Right. right. Well, that, that, yeah. And that's where I want to, you don't want. Yeah. Okay, so, sorry. Go no, ahead. That's okay. that, that's, that's where I want to go with it is that I think a lot of people fall under this thing that look, if IOT gives off all this data of where I am, when I'm at the house, what I do, blah, 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 that's going to give me more targeted ads. What's wrong with that? That subsidizes and makes a lot of these, these devices and things a lot cheaper. Right. I talk about this a lot that, you know, there really isn't anything such, there is no such thing as a $200 computer. There is a $600 computer that is uh, subsidized by advertisers putting on by software. By $400 of by malware. By $400 of, yeah. Yeah, of adware or ad tech malware <laughs> right. or whatever. Okay. Um, and so, but the thing is, is that people think that these ads are just, these targeted ads are benign. No, they're not. People, this is the other thing that they miss, just like they missed it and what kind of data could be collected based upon their orgasm schedule, yep. you know, with using the WeVibe. Okay. Targeted ads are as, they're as, as great at tracking who you are and what you do as your, as that block of sensors known as your smartphone in your pocket is mm. it, it. I mean, targeted ads are absolutely a tracking device upon you. I mean, and plenty of hackers will tell you this nefarious ones and, and, and heroic ones will admit to you targeted ads are as dangerous as a smartphone as far as tracking you goes. And so if that's the end game that they would eventually tell you, it's like, look, this is going to allow you to allow us to give you more targeted ads towards you. Like, we're going to know that, that, I don't know, you need, uh, uh, I don't know, the liberator pillow or something, you know, uh, that, that allows you to different sex positions. Mm-hmm. You don't understand what the, it's not even about thieves and all these people being to break into your house or knowing you're not home and all this stuff. It gets right down to, you know, governments and corporations like really tracking everything you do. And it's nuts anyway. Yeah. Knowing you better than some people. And if, you know, if there's information out there that's supposed to provide targeted ads, it's just being distributed to literally like any company. Yeah. Right. Who pay who pays for it. And then they all have this data about you. And supposedly it's anon it's anonymized. But you can figure out it's like, you know, with HIPAA, you're not allowed to say, oh, well, we had this Iranian patient come into the ER with a broken nose the other mm-hmm. day, because if there's only one Iranian guy who lives in your neighborhood, everybody's going to know who the fuck it is. Right. right. <laughs> so that's not good enough for anonymizing. It would just have to be whatever um, you'd have to, like, take out that detail. So anyway, um, let me read you a little bit more from this. Uh, vocative article. Sure. Um, the smartphone app lets users customize their WeVive experience because it's this hands-free thing. So you could be you could be holding onto your phone and using it to control your your vibrator. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I've never used a sex toy like that. Ladies, I'm just going to say it. 
This is a friendly reminder to choose analog sex toys that don't <laughs> connect to the internet. Please do not plug your sex toys into the internet of things, okay? We can you can say we warned you, okay? I, you can say my doctor, Dr. Stephanie Murphy, told me to use analog sex toys only. We we talked about these before, right? Didn't we? Didn't we mention about this? Uh, well, we we did a smart dumb segment about the smart tampon. Oh, that's that what tracks it was. you from within your vagina as well. Yeah, all the uh, same <laughs> rules apply. I'm sure. I mean, I'll admit. So, a little bit of devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that I think it could be very sexy because with virtual reality, I actually want this sort of thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be sexy to have a you know have a uh, vibrator that a person across the country or across the world could control, and you two could be you know sexting or you know. Skyping, you know, some sexy yep, that's shit. One of the upsides of this kind of technology, I guess. Yeah. Right. But I don't know that they sell it that way. No, I think it's like you control it from your phone, which I don't know. Yeah, or your that... partner can within Bluetooth range or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, now we've reported on privacy invading features that track women like the smart tampon and the smart, uh, you know, female sex toy for female body people. But mm-hmm. um, they're, of course, like if you're going to free porn sites, of course, you're getting tracked on those, too. Sure. And who goes to free porn sites? Well, a lot of it's males, right? Yep. By the demographics. So anyway, it's not just tracking women. Um, Yeah. uh, The smartphone app lets users customize, quote, customize (laughs) their WeVibe experience, unlock, oh God, you can unlock things, unlock app-only bonus vibration modes such as the cha-cha-cha and the crest. Oh, boy. They've gamified the ultimate game. Unbelievable. That's the crest. What's your favorite? That's the cha-cha-cha. Oh, okay. Um, I I don't like the, the, the patterns, really. No, I've had like... I've had toys that had like seven different patterns. Yeah, I think you're, you're kind of a constant. And I always use the continuous vibration. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're more of a constant type. Yeah, All right. I'm easy to please. I don't really care. Thanks for sharing care. That. I don't need That's... anything too elaborate, you know. Yeah. You didn't have to answer that. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not worried about being tracked. Cause... <laughs> so I'm fine to admit it to thousands of people who Woo! listen to my show in public on the internet. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so through the app, you can unlock bonus features like these vibration modes and create unlimited custom, create unlimited custom playlists. So you can make a little mix hmm. of like, okay, do the cha-cha-cha for like 30 seconds. Can this work to music? That'd be another interesting feature. That would be feature. cool if it could work to music, but I'm not getting any indication or confirmation that that's true. In the suit, NP says she bought a WeVibe in May and used it, quote, several times <laughs> until she realized that it was sending data about her usage practices back to standard innovation servers, including when she used it, which vibration setting she used and her email address. <laughs> Ooh, that's a pretty smoking gun. I mean, yeah. And how, I wonder how she discovered that. Is she like a hacker or like, how would she know that it was sending data to the, the servers of standard innovation? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, she must be some kind of security professional of some kind or maybe reporter. Oh, oh, here's here's maybe the next explanation for that. Sorry, because I forgot about this part. Two researchers, researchers, uh-huh. <laughs> known only as, quote, follower with a F-O-L-L-O-W-R and Goldfisk, 
with a zero instead of an O in Goldfisk, okay. said they discovered the amount of data the app transmitted back to standard innovation when looking for security flaws. Oh, said they discovered the amount of data the app transmitted back to secure standard in, in. Oh, fuck. I'll just start over. Two researchers, known only as Follower and Goldfisk, said they discovered the amount of data the app transmitted back to standard innovation when looking for security flaws. Not an unheard of possibility when it comes to internet enabled sex toys. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. You run, you know, uh, Wireshark, or I mean, there's a bunch of different tools you can run that, that would tell you. Okay, yeah. okay. After the presentation, a spokesperson for the company told CNET that it would, quote, clarify its terms and conditions to make it more obvious that the app could transmit data, which was, quote, mostly anonymized and was being used for, quote, market research. You know, this is this is such a big problem with IoT because this really is an Internet of Things yes. uh, affair. Oh, yeah. And no pun intended. But, um, you know, one of the problems is, is that a lot of these, you know... It's a new field. It's a very new field. Nobody, I mean, there's a, there's a million problems in it that nobody's really ever solved. Okay. But even like how to put warnings in all this, you know, on what could happen and just to put in basic cover your ass language, you know, nobody knows how. So I don't fault companies for that, but let me tell you where the fault would come because people will say, well, don't worry, the market will figure it out. And eventually these people will put the cover your ass in. But as soon as they figure out what cover your ass language they need to have and what people warnings they need to English. have. It's not English. They won't be able to understand well, it. Right. They figure out how to hide it. Yeah, exactly. Next. These companies are incentivized to hide it after the fact because of a bullshit legal That's system. That's right. That's right. Okay, so it said they're going to add the ability to opt out, but where is that going to be hidden and buried within the app? Right. right. They'll find a way to, to make it as, you know, not non-visible as, as obscure possible. as possible yes. yeah yeah and they're also going to post a quote a commitment to pro customer privacy and security on their website yeah I, yeah i mean it, it's it's the you know infringing on privacy it's it's so insidious because it's it's something the after effects or the effects of it you really don't see it like if you get cut by something or if you get burned by something that you were using like you're holding a galaxy note 7 and it suddenly explodes in your hand yeah which has happened mm -hmm. okay um you know it, when that happens it's very easy uh you know to say okay this is the problem here blah 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 i don't want this and then you need to make warning labels and you need to make them a big deal okay but when it's something that infringes on privacy the harm that can come to you later on there's no warnings about it i mean it, it's just it's really so insidious and people don't think about it and they don't care and they start to say well i don't really need privacy because they don't notice the problems until years later it's not direct like a phone blowing up in your hand that's right well, anyway, Brian, we've got some listener emails. Let's do it. I think we're out of smart dumb at this point. We got a couple of emails, and they're both about uh, something kind of similar, the gay. Uh, All <laughs> so right. The first one's called, I titled it, The Perils of the Gay. Uh, <laughs> the emailer says, hello, I was listening to your latest podcast about normalizing gayness. First, let me say that I'm a very principled voluntarist. I have no problems with gay people, nor do I think they should voluntarist be... Voluntarist freedom lover, in yes. case you're wondering. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Things should be voluntary. I have no problems with gay people, nor do I think they should be forced into the closet. People should be able to do whatever they want, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. And I am consistent on that philosophy. However, one thing I noticed nobody mentioned is the danger of normalizing gayness. If homosexualism became the norm as opposed to heterosexualism, then there would be a shop drarp. <laughs> shop drarp, yeah. <laughs> I've been 
doing great today at really these dramatic readings of emails, <laughs> and then I fuck up. I'm sorry. I've been narrating. I narrated probably like two hours of content today. Yeah, people don't already, realize so. how much you use your voice. It's remarkable. Then there would be a sharp drop in the human population. I'm no scientist, but this fact seems totally obvious to me, especially in the case of women, because women are more valuable than men in terms of reproduction. Again, I'm not a homophobe. It's like when you start a sentence with, I'm not racist, but... Well, I don't think there's any, any, anything here that claims that says he is. Uh, well, but... Okay, again, I'm not a homophobe, nor do I think gay people should be forced into, the, into secrecy. But I do think that if we're trying to establish a societal norm, it should always be heterosexualism. Or it could have devastating effects on the future of our species. Feel free to email me back, use this mail on the show, throw it in the trash, or do whatever else you want with it. So, okay, to our listener who is not a homophobe, but is concerned, is very concerned that (laughs) if we normalize gayness too much, the population could sharply drop. I just want to say, don't worry. It's okay. Men and women are never going to stop fucking each other. Right now, we are so far toward the end of heterosexual... heterosexuality and heterosexualism as the norm there is no danger that homosexualism is going to become the new normal and men and women are suddenly going to stop fucking each other Mm. especially there's no danger that the women are going to be unavailable for sex with men it's just i'm sorry it's there are lots of women who love to fuck men and it's not gonna even if it's trendy to be gay it's a little more culturally acceptable than before you know what? Someone can be um, a woman can get with other women and it, it wouldn't be mutually exclusive as far as her fucking men, too. Sure. Absolutely. I women mean, can be bisexual. It's yeah. it, if we if we say that it's OK to be gay or if it's OK to, you know, for women and men, or women and women or men and men to get it on with each other, that doesn't preclude them also having heterosexual sex. And if you're going to say that sex should be about babies, well, most sex is not about babies. Even when it's heterosexual, man on woman, penis and vagina, most of the sex that heterosexual couples have is not for making babies and is not going to result in babies anyway. So as long as there's just a few, like a what, you know, a 1% rate of every sexual encounter resulting in a pregnancy, everybody's going to be fine. There's lots of people in the world. The population's not going down anytime soon. I don't think there's much to worry about, you know? Well, I just think it's really not that big of a, of a concern. <laughs> all right. So three things, if I can remember all three. Yeah. All right. So one is, is that, you know, there's, I, and, and we know of some people, lesbians, lesbian couples, mm-hmm. that one of them will go and sleep with a man to have a baby. Yes, that's right. We, yeah. In fact, we know a guy who, who yeah. went on Craigslist and found lesbian couples to uh, reproduce with. Yeah. I who mean, wanted to get knocked up but didn't want to pay for a sperm donor. Right. So even if, you know, homosexual groups, couples want to, you know, want to have children, they'll do what it takes. You know, life. That, yes, I love the old right. saying from Jurassic Park. Life you know, finds a way. Life finds a way. Yeah. Um, my second point uh, to that. And shit, I forgot it. <laughs> I knew okay, I, we can take I a pause. I, oh, no, 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 I got it. Okay. So the other part is, is that there's really no, and you, you I, I think you started on this. There's nothing about sex, really, that says, and but there's a caveat, that says it has to be for procreation. Because mm-hmm. it co-evolved as a social interaction tool. 
as much as it evolved for procreation yes, now. Yes, that's right. Now, what some people will say, what some scientists will come out with and some other people will come out with, and I'm not saying the listener's saying this, I'm just saying, what they'll say is, is they'll, they'll bring up genetic determinism, okay, which is that the purpose of any life form is to propagate itself and, and to move on. Now, if you want to, now the thing is, is that you have to take that to a very extreme extent to say that sex is only about procreate or that sex is, you know, uh, uh, you know, really has to have procreation or that procreation is a necessity for any life form. You have to take that to such an extreme that let me tell you something. No human should live past the age of 35, according to, to extreme genetic determinism. Okay. Because you are worthless after you, after you have kids and you, and you get them to a survivable age, according to genetic determinism as a natural rule. Well, not necessarily because there's the rich grandparent theory where the grandparents provide extra resources right, for the kids or whatever. I know, but there are scientists. I'm trying to think of Ron something. I'm trying to think of his name. There, there's others and there's plenty of others. There's Naomi, Naomi. Oh, this is terrible. I can't remember any of their names, but they've written very popular books, including in the paleo space and all that, mm-hmm. where they talk about that, that once you have children, you're worthless to, to the universe and you need to die. Okay. So that, that's the problem here. Well, is once that, you stop being able to have children, right? Well, Cause you could yeah, always have even, more children. Even just having one. But I mean, there's like, there is a, there's a point where under genetic determinism, it becomes a negative returns by some people's interpretation. Okay. And so my point being is that if you're going, you know, if procreation is such a big deal, then humans need to be dying at much, uh, you know, earlier ages, according to the extreme forms of genetic determinism or extreme uh, interpretations, I guess you could say, of genetic determinism. So I, I, yeah, I, I don't buy it. And I don't know, like, who, I don't so, buy that he's so concerned about babies. I think maybe he and the listener is a male, heterosexual male. I, as far I, I, as said I, understand. I don't think he's saying this. I think he's afraid that the women might stop being sexually available to him or as many women might right. if gayness is more normal <laughs> right okay yeah like i said what i was just saying i don't i'm not saying that the listener was saying that mm-hmm. okay but here's my third point and that is is that even if that that you know quote unquote and i put that in quotes dystopian scenario okay end quote <laughs> okay happened what like where where is you know who says what says that humanity has to live on now I'm not I'm not a nihilist or anything. I'm not, believe me, I'm not. Um, but like, there's no, you know, there's there's no imperative in the universe that says humanity has to continue. Uh, you know, right? So, I I really feel like, and you know, I'm gonna get called a nihilist. I suppose I don't identify as one, but whatever. Um, I really feel like once I'm gone, I don't really care what happens. You know? Oh, I love the Ayn Rand quote. Where, where, it doesn't matter. It matters what happens while I'm here, right? Yeah, where where she said, and she, she was actually quoting somebody else, and she couldn't remember who it was, but I love the way she said it. She said, "She says it's not it's not me that will die. It is the world that will, or it's not it's not my life that will end. It is the world that will end, and that's absolutely true. And that's that's what she said. Oh, she would say that. Yeah, you know, and and <laughs> and so but that is true. The world ended for her. Yes, that's right. You her know, world and, and, ended. Right, yeah. and that's and that's so spot on. I mean, and this is something. This goes back. I mean, these these are old philosophical arguments. You know, between the Stoics and the Hedonists. Mm-hmm. You know, or the Epicureans and the Epictetans. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, I mean, you don't. You know, the Stoics would say you owe something to future generations. According to who? There's no God. Right. There's no you know, like. There's no. There's no law we can on say high. We're, we're borrowing the earth from them, so we have to take good care of it. That's ridiculous. Seventh generation. You you leave it as nice as 
as nice as it is now, it should be that nice the seventh generation from the now. The Earth doesn't give two shits about you. The Earth is four billion years old, and you know, Homo <laughs> sapiens aren't are barely a you know what a, I don't know a few hundred thousand. Right, I, and I, who who <laughs> says it's it's like a good thing or it should the human population should continue expanding and growing what if it's stable what if it shrinks a little bit what if it, it fluctuates over time and goes up and down with, yeah. depending on the trends and whatever I yeah mean, i think that this dystopia i don't know where the imperatives for the concern over it becoming a reality come from you know and i believe me i want humanity to survive i am so big on like you know space travel and all this stuff because yeah. i agree with so many scientists that say humanity needs to become a two-planet species if it's really going that, to survive that gives me a little yeah. bit of a mental boner but i don't really know why i mean well, sure. Yeah, I like the idea of humans spreading out throughout the galaxy and exploring the galaxy and the humanity. But really, mostly, I don't. Well, care it gives what you excitement in what you yourself are capable of, right? I mean, like, like you know, th- there is. I mean, yeah, I, I guess, I suppose, like to know more and stuff. But it's not going to be me, really, who's knowing the whole galaxy. It'll no, be right. Like people who have a lot of genetic material in common with me I don't right know, but it's it can so get, weird yeah i'm just saying it can give you a mental boner because you know if one human did it there's a good chance you have that capability too and i think that's exciting that's that's exhilarating i you suppose know? but i'm probably like, not gonna <laughs> it's amazing to watch you know it's amazing to watch gymnasts it's amazing to watch you know tony mm-hmm. hawk do his thing why not because i can do that but because it's amazing to see somebody else do that and that the human body is capable of those feats that's an amazing thing to watch so that's the mental boner but that doesn't mean humanity must survive like, you know, like, like, and again, I'm not an nihilist. Or is going to survive. Or, yeah, yeah, or even is going to, you know, uh, I mean, it's a blip on the radar of the universe, you know, and I, I want it to continue forever, but there's nothing that like says I am going to put a stop to this and blah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah right. And, you know, as much as it, it gives me that little mental boner to think about humanity and he, abstract humans exploring the galaxy and all mm-hmm. that shit. You know what makes me really feel good inside? The thought of me and my peers and people my age and people younger and people older, people who are walking the earth right now and will walk the earth in the near future, people who I could know in my lifetime being happy. Damn right. You experiencing hedonist. a lot of happiness. And part of happiness for me is homosexual sex <laughs> and homosexual relationships. So and it's I think not for I'm me, but I love it. <laughs> I'm willing, to, but is is our lesbian relationships part of your happy world? Fuck yes. Yeah, okay, then there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like we can increase our happiness a lot by we can increase the if if you're a utilitarian, okay, and you're thinking about the maximizing the total happiness units of of humans, you know normalizing gayness, making it culturally okay to have homosexual sex and relationships just is a no brainer. It makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. There's so much misery and suffering caused by suppressing it way more than any additional babies that might be born from it, you know, because some lesbian thinks she has to stay in the closet and fuck a guy and have babies. Sure. Right. Sure. Anyway, (laughs) <laughs> thanks I, for your thanks for your email listener i hope I, we weren't too hard on you but it was it's just i, like, I don't think I, there's much to worry about it no, was an interesting yeah. thing to discuss anyway. that's what i think i think it was an interesting question anyway yeah yeah i thought it was good i yeah. thought it was good and if you have email show at sex and science hour.com bring them on so this is also about the gay another listener email last week we solicited people to come out on the show and we got a coming out letter i think she was already out before this but anyway uh, jess writes in she says i'd like to come out as a bisexual woman in a relationship with a bisexual man and i love it 
I wouldn't have it any other way. I love pegging and playing with gender roles, and I find that bisexual men are much more open to that. Plus, I love gay porn, and sometimes I get to watch it live. That sounds freaking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta get me one of those. Hey! (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, I'll admit, that's not my thing. it's It's a running joke. I've tried to get Brian to try pegging, but... No. He was just not willing to go there. No. So I'm a little bit jealous, but I'm happy for you that you were experiencing I'm, that. That's I'm happy cool. for them. I'm very I, happy for don't them. Don't misunderstand me, even though it's not my bag. And I, you know, I, so I, I shared this with a friend this week, and she sent me an amazing article about pegging, which we're going to have next week for the season finale oh, on the man. show. So she goes on. I've often heard that men are more binary in their sexuality than women, and I'm interested in your opinion on that. I've known quite a few bisexual men, and most of them have said that they feel the societal pressure to pick a side. I've never felt that pressure, and neither have any of the bisexual women I've asked. Also, for some reason, society is okay with bisexual women, but if a guy has any interest in men, he's automatically labeled as gay. It's like the word bisexual doesn't even exist for men. I find that men are more comfortable being in a relationship with a bisexual women, woman than women are being in a relationship with a bisexual man. Most men I've asked say that it would be hot if their significant other was into other women, while most women I ask say that they'd be afraid their significant other would either be sleeping around with men or leave them for a man. Because once again, they believe that if their guy has any interest in men, then he's actually gay. And that's where the, that's where the email ends. Okay. Um, so yes, I agree with, uh, with you. I've noticed that too, that, um, uh, team Edward, sorry, who's, who's team Edward? I don't know. Edward Snowden? No. Yeah. Right. Team Jacob. Wait, is Edward Snowden bisexual? No, 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 no. She was saying how they have to pick teams. And so I just tossed out a team name. It's just ridiculous. Oh, what's team Edward? You know, Edward from, uh, you know, Twilight. Oh no! I, do, I no, I don't know that. That's okay, why. Team Edward, uh, but team people Jacob. will get that. All right. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, oh I didn't God. mean to derail that. It's okay. I figured it was obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I I agree. Um, bisexuality is more socially acceptable among women when it conforms to the male fantasy. Right. Mm. When it's like for the pleasure of man, the woman, both women look feminine. You know, if women are like kind of looking butch and they're more like bisexual in that way, then men are like, oh, no, it must be dykes, you know. Yeah. I think that's what I've noticed for the most part. Every time. So I'm a femme bisexual woman. I look very feminine. I usually am attracted to and date and hang around with women who also look pretty feminine. And most of the time when we're together, especially if it's obvious that we're more than friends, the men will not leave us alone in very inappropriate ways. A lot of times they just will not stand it. It's like, it's like a pack of sharks circling us in the water or something. Yeah. Um, so there's that, you know, I think there's a lot of like, Ooh, that's hot. Now, in recent years, there have been a resurgence of women who think gay men are hot or guy-on-guy action is hot. And even the listener said she loves gay porn. And I I I have to admit, I find it sexy sometimes, too. (laughs) Not necessarily gay porn. That's like a little too much for me. But like, you know, just seeing two good-looking gay guys together is, I think that's a turn on. Um, when there's like homoerotic tension, like there were these, <laughs> there were these soccer players, like one of them bit the other one. Do you remember this happened a couple of months ago? And oh, there was yeah. this gif going around the internet of this guy like GIF. biting the other guy's neck in the soccer field. And there was like so much sexual 
homoerotic latent tension between them. And <laughs> I just found it super hot. I don't know about you, but I thought that was sexy. Uh, so stuff like that. Yeah, that turns my crank, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> you know, I I think really bisexual men have it difficult because of the homophobia. You know, yeah. that men are supposed to be manly and they're supposed to conform to these masculine stereotypes and gender roles and being seen as uh attracted to other guys is perceived as feminine and that's bad right. and it's all because of misogyny and homophobia are linked together because it's this idea that femininity is bad or subordinate to masculinity and so if a guy is into other guys that's feminine and that's bad and, and that's homophobia and biphobia now are there fewer truly bisexual men than there are bisexual women? Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't think it's possible to do an unbiased experiment about that because we have this culture that so strongly discourages male homosexuality and it doesn't as strongly discourage female homosexuality or bisexuality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll, and this is just my opinion. There's And in fact, it even rewards female bisexuality sometimes when it's appealing to the males, to the right. male fantasy. Right. Um you know, this is just my opinion. Uh, there's some degree of evidence to to back it up, but, you know, take it for what you want. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think every woman's bisexual. Like, I, I, I mean, I know there, there's statistics that say it, it can get up to, like, 80, 83 percent, something like that. Or yeah. that or at, at the lower end, it's like 60 percent of women are or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I'll admit I don't think that's true for men. You know, I, I, I just don't. Uh, I, I agree there's a lot of programming that you know that goes on you mm -hmm. know from a very young age from mm -hmm. birth pretty much yeah. you know that 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 you know male homosexuality you know uh, is is bad i mean you can't even like hug you know as men it's that bad uh even though i you know i have no problem with hugging men um but yeah i mean i i'm i guess in many ways i'm inclined to agree with the with the emailer um you know, I think it's great for buys to date each other because then you don't have to deal with the problem of, oh, I'm scared of you because you're bi. Because you're both bi and you're like, well, look, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I really feel a kinship with bisexual men and women, but uh, definitely women, but um, with bisexual men because I understand like how hard they have it. And also I understand what it's like to be bi. Yeah. And I feel it, like I, I definitely know some bi guys who identify as gay. Because they, again, they feel forced to pick a side and they're like, well, shit, I'm going to be called gay if I like guys and I'm seen with guys. So I'll just round myself up to gay when I'm really a little bit bi. Yeah, I think, you know, in the, the bi guy thing, I think that that or, you know, the, the woman, a woman fearing uh, going out with a bi, a bi male. Mm -hmm. um, I think that really comes from some some, you know, deep seated programming as well. Not evolution programming, you know, societal programming, because <laughs> the, what happens is, is that I think like. There is this perception, perhaps, that gets created that that guy is no longer a provider because he's getting fucked. Something. I don't know. I think it's just basic insecurity. Well, yeah, at the end, of it, that's, that's what it all is. More yeah. coming up. Don't worry. Be secure. We'll be back on You've the just show. heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.
Hey, we came back. We told you we would. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just... As we were talking about that last thing, I was just thinking about... A few times, like, I w when I was in, like, my early 20s, maybe even my teens, and I would have a boyfriend, and my mom would say something to me like, you don't think he's gay, do you? And, like, it had never even crossed my mind up until that point. What, but the then guy she would sort of, like, planted a seed, right, that a guy would be secretly gay. Oh, You know? Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Maybe... I was just more secure in those relationships. I think I actually did have one boyfriend in high school who may have actually been gay. <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know. I mean, speaking of bisexual guys, I'm just, I'm thinking of a few of the really bisexual guys I know. And some of them are just so, there's something I just love about them. They're very beautiful and they're very kind and open hearted. And they're not like, I don't know. They don't come off as like flaming gay or anything like that. They just come off as like a like a male model, like the kind of person that could be a gigolo. And some of them are, you know, some mm -hmm. of them do are sex workers. Yeah. Not all of them. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But um, but, the, you know, they're just like likable, friendly. I don't know, flirty like they'll flirt with anybody and make them feel so good. Mm hmm. And I, now I'm stereotyping them, but I'm just thinking of two guys in particular I know who I know are bisexual, and they're both sort of like that. They both have a similar kind of, I don't know, quality about them, and I really like that. So sure. anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't want it like it to sound like what I was saying at, at the end, uh, you know, of the of the show there that like I don't know, like I was speaking from conventional terms. I don't buy into the old generals are optional in my opinion. You know, this idea of like provider and all this different stuff. I mean, people can do and be whatever they want. You know? Oh, yeah. And, you know, once you like if if you're afraid that your partner is maybe secretly gay or is going to leave you for another man or something, if you're mm -hmm. a woman and your your partner's secretly gay. Well, I mean, isn't it just as much of a, a concern that they could leave you for another woman? Like, why would it be worse if it was a man? I don't know. I guess you could say you're being exposed to potentially the risk of greater risk of HIV and stuff like that. But I mean, even that I think is maybe well a little bit of a fear because if anybody's cheating on anybody, that's a higher risk for being exposed to germs and STIs. Yeah, it's just as likely, but also at the same time, like, and this is true, you know, for our relationship where I completely understand and appreciate and have no problem with it all. The fact that I cannot deliver the kind of the kind of love that another woman can to another woman, you know, you I, deliver a wonderful kind of love, though. I, I appreciate that. But I, I'm just saying <laughs> but that. Yeah, like, it's different. It's right. Very different. So a bisexual guy, I mean, for a woman to be concerned about a bisexual guy, uh, I mean, and this can be true for, you know, a guy with a bisexual woman, you know, I could end up having I, I mean, I don't. But I'm saying, like, if I had a problem it could be just as likely that I would have a problem with you being with another woman or something. I do not at all. But my point being is, is that the woman probably has the fear that there is a type of sex that, yeah, I guess she could put a strap on, on, but maybe it's just never the same. And I do think that if someone has, has developed themselves within say the gender binary, uh, that, that there is a different kind of love that gets expressed. You know, I, I really think so. Uh, you know, it, yeah, you know, that doesn't include bisexual people, but I or not exactly, I guess. Anyway, go ahead. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I appreciate that point. Um, I was just thinking, like, you know, why would somebody who's bisexual? Because sometimes I think about this. If you're bisexual, it kind of makes sense to choose 
like there there are reasons to like oh, I'm not doing a very good good job of explaining this, but I was if you're either, if you're worry. bisexual and you could go either way, um, there's advantages and drawbacks to choosing one or the other to picking a side basically. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to reproduce and have kids and co-parent, and you want your relationship to be with your co-parent, then yeah, of course you'd ha- pretty much have to choose a heterosexual relationship. If you want to have biological children with somebody, yes, you, you have to choose a heterosexual relationship. At this time, yes. Right. <laughs> Technology may solve that. Um, but if you're a guy who's always like horny and has this crazy sex drive, you're probably going to want to go with another guy because <laughs> they're more likely to match your sex drive, right? Well, in in the conventional sense, yes. I think if that's you're true. A in woman, the conventional society. Yeah. If you're a woman and you want someone who really knows how to touch your equipment, in the best way possible because mm-hmm. they have the same equipment go with another woman right oh absolutely <laughs> a lot of guys don't have a clue <laughs> yeah i mean you know I, I mean i'll mention there is research that says that women are actually hornier than men um just yeah, it's, it's rarer it's that they express way, it though you know yeah right or like, it's rarer that it gets expressed and i don't mean that they don't show it i just mean that well i guess that is kind of what i mean it's just it, it's different I don't know. It's like they get the the turn-ons are, I think, the major difference. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like a woman, if they if you get the fire stoked, yeah, there can be a lot of passion there. But with men, it's like often they're just they're ready to go. OK, all they need is like you drop your pants and it's like, all right, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And then they can get back to what whatever they were doing five minutes later, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was a great email. I'm I did honored too. I that, liked it. That, that someone, you know, came out Thank on the show. Thank you for coming out on our show. Welcome yeah. out. Woo-hoo! Happy coming Party. out. Uh, and, and just, it sounds like a beautiful relationship. I, I think that's yeah, absolutely wonderful. That uh, was for, cool you know, to hear two, about. Two buys, you know, I mean, that's, that's great. Two buys in a pod. Yeah. Like two peas in a pod, really. <laughs> so I'm uh, currently in the midst of pulling up our Amazon stuff. Brian, do you want to talk about anything? Should we talk about the gifts you got me today? Oh, Brian we could. got me some awesome presents. Yeah, now, I, I bought you some stuff. I, I like to do that secretly for no reason on no apparent day. And you, you know, surprised like, me. I didn't. I had no clue. I, yeah, I mean, I'm you know, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do this, but like people expect shit on Valentine's Day. They expect stuff on Christmas, you know. And of course, actually, we don't really have we ever really bought each other Christmas gifts. I really don't think I mean, we we're have, Jews, actually. But, or, I mean, we're Janish. <laughs> we're not even but, Jewish. No, right. We are not religious <laughs> people. Yeah, but I mean, we're who kinda, never who didn't grow up celebrating Christmas. Yeah, we're kind of used to like Christmas not being like a thing, yeah. a, a big deal. I mean, I, I, well, anyway, that no need to go down that. Um, so, but I, I like to just buy things out of nowhere, and you have no idea that it's coming, and and it's it's really a, a great pleasure of mine, uh, you know. T- anyway, so. Yeah, I bought for you. Of course, this was off of ThinkGeek. This wasn't on uh, on Amazon. Right. So, you could probably find maybe similar products on maybe. Amazon. But, Some of it. Um, these were Think ThinkGeek, yeah. Yeah, these were ThinkGeek exclusives, as in they came up with it themselves. And sometimes ThinkGeek's exclusives are hit or miss. Like, they try to come up with something custom that they can only sell and that they can effectively, you know, put some, some form of IP on. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's all right. Like, I have a jean jacket. Uh, that, that was, uh, like a clean, now that one ended up actually getting transposed onto Amazon somehow, but, uh, but I love it. It's a Klingon jean jacket. Uh, it has, you know, it's like Klingon yes, stuff. It's, 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 I it's, love uh, that jacket. Yeah. It's the sons of Stovacor on the back of it. Um, <laughs> it's and, like a Klingon biker game. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, yeah, I got for you, I got you a shirt. It's called the ultimate shirt of disambiguation and it's just a simple black shirt. 
that says no with a period at the end to make sure the point is said that it's not a conversation. No, whatever you're asking me, no, you know, and I just think that's beautiful. Like it reminds me of the shirts, you know, that I used to wear that said, I will not fix your computer period, you know, and and (laughs) I used to wear those all the time. Um, in fact, well, I'm not going to tell that story, but you know, so I got you one, you know, because like we were talking about how women seem to just get like approached and approached and approached for a whole bunch of shit, you know? And in fact, uh, well, anyway, so I got your shirt that just said no period. (laughs) You know what I mean? And in fact, it's great because it's right across your tits. And so when they, when these guys want to look at the, when they look at their tits, the message they're going to get is no motherfucker. (laughs) You know what I mean? In fact, I wish it said motherfucker at the end of it, but whatever. So (laughs) that's a little bit too rude for my personal style. I, I know. I'm just saying that's, that's what I, well, Whatever. Well, I love the shirt that says no. It's great. Yeah. It's a personal assertiveness and boundaries kind of thing. Yeah. And not only that, you got me a swim cover up, a uh, uh, a rash, like a rash Yeah, guard. they call it like we, a sun shirt for covering. A sun shirt, yeah, yeah like where you would wear it surfing wear. to like keep the sun off mm-hmm. of you. It's kind of one of those bathing suit material. It's okay to get wet, yeah. But <laughs> it is in the shape of... Deanna Troy's uniform from season one and two. Or season three. Season. Oh, season three. Yeah, it's the purple one. Oh, that's right. Because before she had a green one, that's right. She had like the dark, like it was like a dark brown, almost a black kind of, that was like super, super low cut. Um, When she had her hair in a bun and it was like kind of sparkly, that was in season one. Okay. And season two, I think she might have shifted more towards that gray one. And then she had a purple one that she wore, started wearing in season three. Eventually she got to that blue dress, like in season four. Mm-hmm. Finally comes season five and six, you know, they start treating her like a human being. And <laughs> they, they put her in a real they uniform. They put her in an actual uniform, which is great. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but yeah, I got you the, the purple one that, you know, that looks like from season three. And you look amazing. <sighs> I love it. It is yeah. so cool. It even has a little communicator on it. Yeah, that I'm was just nice. Geeking out, I loved it. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, so, which I, <laughs> I really bought cool. you. I mean, I bought you a, a couple different uniforms as well. Yeah, mm. you, which, by the way, you know what? I found out last Friday there was a Star Trek party at like a local library. Yeah, and I and we didn't know about it, no. so we didn't go to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> found out about it too late. So anyway, what did people get on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com? This week. Oh, boy. We have a lot of doozies here. All right. Well, first of all, in the books department, somebody got the four-hour work week, which is a great book. It inspired me to uh, make a career change. Actually, it was one of the... Well, I think I was inspired before that, but it it kind of kicked me into gear, I guess, and gave me a launching point for it. It's by Tim Ferriss from 2009, but it's it's been updated. You know, there's a lot of uh, solid tips in there. Um, And the four-hour work week is about... um, it's about creating lifestyle businesses, basically. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, some people criticize Tim Ferriss because he's a little I skeezy. Um, you know, it's like, it's basically about, it doesn't really matter if your business gives you purpose and fulfillment. The purpose of a business is to make money to support your lifestyle. So how do you do that as efficiently as possible so you can spend the rest of your time on something else? So it's a great book if you're into that philosophy and you want to figure out how to do that. It also, you know, the, the, honestly, the thing I liked most about it was... Um, the there was a there was a couple of chapters in the near the beginning of the book that i just remember kind of blowing my mind where he said something like you know you might think it's risky to quit your job and you might think it's risky to change careers and make this major lifestyle change 
But isn't the greater risk that you're going to wake up in 40 years and be like, holy shit, where did my life go? What did I do? You know, isn't that the bigger risk to do something you hate for the next 40 years? And I said, yep, that's the bigger risk. I'm quitting. (laughs) See, now if the book left it at those messages, I'd probably think it's a great book. But it effectively, you know, says, well, here, just, you know, use these people in Bangladesh. And- yeah, Tim Tim Ferriss kind of made his fortune by selling this, like, supplement online for, like, a real, like, it was, like, 70 bucks for this bottle of, like, choline and, you know, whatever. He's He sold some kind of nootropic thing. Yeah. Sketchy. Sketchy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he really believes that it makes you smarter, but I just... I'm sorry, I just have a hard time believing that any kind of pill or supplement can actually make you smarter. Yeah. I just am very skeptical of supplements, and especially when he's talking about marking up the price. It just felt a little bit skeezy to me. Yeah, it's stuff where if people use critical thinking or the scientific method, they'd say, nah. Yeah, and and also, um, you know, it's it was great to read the book and learn about it, but the thing is... Um, as as uh, my friend Hannah Brain pointed out, which I was in a book club with her, so she does a psychology book club, mm-hmm. and we read it for that for the psychology book club and talked about it. Brilliant. Woman. And she point I remember her pointing out that, um, you know, basically, if you derive a lot of freedom and fulfillment from your business and from the operation of your business, if you do a business that really gives you meaning, like you're you're helping people through your business, you're in a service field or whatever, mm-hmm. or like me with my voiceover business, I love it, acting, I love being a voice actor. Yeah, you know, then the four hour work week might not be for you because you might not want to, you know, compress it down to four hours. Only work. Four Maybe hours, some yeah. of your happiness and enjoyment is coming directly from running your business. So, you know, um. It's one approach out of many to having freedom. Sure. I definitely recommend uh, Jake DeSillis' book, Job Free. If oh, you yes. Look at different um, four different paths to quit the rat race, as he calls it. Um, that's a great book, and it talks about lifestyle businesses as well as other routes like extreme saving and um, unjobbing and what was the other one? Ooh, startups. Yeah. Doing a startup. And do check out his podcast, The Voluntary Life. Amazing. Yes. I mean, literally amazing. But anyway, absolutely. So that was the four hour work week. It's it. It's I think the four hour work week is kind of like required reading if you're going down that path at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely interesting. Somebody also got Andreas Antonopoulos's book. Andreas is my co-host on Let's Talk Bitcoin with Adam B. Levine as well. Oh, is this his new one? Yes, it's the Internet of Money. Nice. Uh, just came out a couple days ago, actually September fifth, two thousand sixteen, and uh, this is. Uh, Andreas has given a lot of talks and speeches at uh, different conferences over the years, and he's become very famous. And so I think a lot of excerpts from different speeches and talks he he's given are in this book. And it's called The Internet of Money. Love it. Very cool. Yeah, Andreas, what a guy. I think I'm, yeah, what a guy. Andreas is really cool. Um, I think I have a guess at who may have bought both of those books, actually. Nice. <laughs> so it may be... Uh, a friend of the show. <laughs> I'll have to ask. <laughs> okay, so what else did people get? Well, we've got uh, some bath bubbles. Deep Steep Rosemary Mint Bubble Bath. I think that's really cute. I like the name. Deep Steep. They Deep also have steep. a couple other flavors like mango papaya and fig apricot. Now, mango papaya, really? I don't know. Um, it's a little too fruity. It needs something to balance it out. Fig apricot, meh. I'm not a big fan of figs, but deep, steep products are naturally preserved and free from petrochemicals, synthetics, and sulfates. Only the highest quality ingredients are used in our soy-free products, and they're organic, gluten-free, and cruelty-free, and GMO-free. Very nice. 
So uh, I would like to try this. You know, I'd love to get into a hot tub and have a bubble bath. That's something I haven't done for a long time. Well, we might remedy that soon. Yeah, let's put that on the list. Brian. Yeah. Somebody bought the exact same bikini shaper and trimmer that I have. This is for when your pubes get a little bit long. And nice. I'm sorry, family members who might be listening to this. I really do apologize. <laughs> you probably don't want to listen to my show. Uh, <laughs> this is the exact same bikini trimmer that I have. It's the Panasonic ES246AC Bikini Shaper and Trimmer for Women with compact portable design and adjustable trim settings. And it's battery powered. So you can take it in your suitcase. And when you have to go traveling, you can trim your shit. before you get in the pool or the hot tub so i recommend it it's pretty good it just runs out of batteries fast i do have a plug-in one too but that's also like an epilator i don't use the epilator anymore god that hurts so bad Ugh, hair removal i'll tell you we also had the amazon basics apple certified lightning to usb cable so basically a knockoff apple charger i guess yeah just a yeah we had a Moto G4 case with a little cute elephant on it. It looks like a karmic kind of thing. Nice. Yeah. G4 is a great phone. Totally. Um, and it's, it was $8.90 for that cute little elephant. I really like that And design. the G4 is only like 200 bucks. It's, it's great. We also had a Moto G fourth generation screen protector good for six ninety five. So yeah, that's always good. Um we had the MPOW Seashell Bluetooth 4.1 running and sports headphones uh, with microphone for iPhone 6 Plus 6 Galaxy S6. Galaxy S6. Probably bought those for the new iPhone 7 now right, without that has a headphone no jack. No headphone jack, but at least those are attached. At least those aren't those ear, what are they called? The ear. Oh, the AirPods. AirPods. They're, at least they're not AirPods. They're just, they're attached to each other at least. Those things are good. 150 a pair or like 170 a pair. Jesus it's some stupid Christ. amount. And people are going to lose them like there's no tomorrow. Anyway. Yeah, they're going to fly out. You got the, you had that person that shared a GIF on your wall about, it was like the old style of iPod commercial, but Where these people are dancing AirPods wildly. are like flinging out of their ears as they're dancing. Which <laughs> I mean, to be fair, to be fair, like, because I love the iPod. I don't like the iPhone. Mm-hmm. I love the iPod, um, the the original iPod with the click wheel. Like the the uh, the earphones that that would come with, I could never keep those in my ears either. You know, I couldn't lose them because they're connected by a wire. Right, that's the difference. But when they, they fall out of your ears, you can easily pick it back up. Yeah, but if I was, you know, dancing as I do, uh, like they would have, they'd fly all over the place. So, yeah. anyway. Any kind of strenuous activity, running, anything. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, these Bluetooth uh, running headphones were only $23. So there. Win. Yeah, win. Speaking of winning, <laughs> now I can tell it's getting close to Halloween. You know how I know? Not only because later on people bought some like skull chocolate molds and things, <laughs> shit like that, but somebody bought, you know what somebody got? A, a polo shirt embroidered with Make America Great Again. It's a Donald Trump oh, polo shirt that says Make America Great Again. <laughs> you know, something I, I thought was funny. That That's great. I, I thought you were going to say, you know, it's Halloween because I start to get hairier or something, but... what it's a that's a werewolf joke um (laughs) wait who's getting hairier you or me me? oh okay Uh, (laughs) i was like well i didn't need that bikini trimmer that bad (laughs) (laughs) but uh but arnold arnold schwarzenegger yeah there's only one arnold um arnold schwarzenegger he he shared a a picture on instagram where he had a hat that said make america lift again (laughs) and i thought that was awesome (laughs) i I like that and of course he's supporting gary johnson not that i give a shit about that but 
Anyway, what's Aleppo? I'm just saying that he wasn't. Well, yeah, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying he wasn't like promoting Trump in wearing that. But whatever. <laughs> right on. Yeah. By the way, I I wouldn't know what Aleppo was either. Honestly, there you go. Uh, somebody got a Chromebook, a 15.6 inch Acer Chromebook 15. Two oh, point, nice. Two hundred forty nine dollars. Good job. That's, yeah, that's a beautiful little machine. Yeah, it's pretty. It looks pretty cool. Um, I'm just looking, just curious for my own. Oh, it has four gigabytes of RAM. That's pretty good. Yep. Because I had a two hundred and fifty dollar Chromebook that only has two gigabytes of RAM, and that's not quite enough. Yeah, I'm actually using. Stand to have more. Yeah, I'm using an Acer CloudBook fourteen, mm-hmm. which is effectively their Chromebook with Windows on it, mm-hmm. and it only has two gig of RAM and. Yeah, you need more Head than that to put in Linux this day and that. age. Had to put Linux on it eventually. Yeah. yeah, but then you you cycled through like seven different operating well, you systems. You got to find one that you? does it good out of the gate. Otherwise, because I mean, you put Linux on it. Did you talk about this on Sovereign Tech? No, I haven't really gone into depth, <sighs> but no need to do it now. Well, uh, all right. I mean, I think people would be curious to hear about this because you literally tested like ten different operating systems on it. You put like Linux on it, and then it, things shit started getting screwed up. Well, some things work, some don't. Like every every distro has little differences here and there. Yeah. Now you can get you know nitty gritty. I can you know bust open the terminal and and try and you know get get the get the right drivers and everything. And honestly, it takes me more. It takes me less time to just try a new operating system than it does to go through all that fucking headache. So I don't do <laughs> of it. Anymore. Doing the research, right? I don't do it anymore. Yeah. And people really don't appreciate just how much Windows like is such a Swiss Army knife in what it can handle, in yeah. what, what hardware it can, it can work on. Uh, until you try putting on any other operating system onto any other, you know, all set hardware. Um, I mean, yeah, it's kind of the hardware manufacturer's fault because they do some proprietary shit. But at the same time, like, it is amazing how much Windows runs on. It, it's, it's just a remarkable, you know, piece of, piece of code. Um, but, you know, I, I like using Linux anyway. So go ahead. <laughs> Somebody got a 64 gigabyte uh, Samsung um, SDXC memory card. Yeah, there we go. Yep, that's pretty cool for 20 bucks. That's pretty cheap. That's a steal. Uh, we've got the U Yikes high speed premium USB data power charger cable mm-hmm. for 10 bucks. What's U Yikes? I don't know. It, it was in the Nintendo NES accessories category. Nah, must be. I don't know. Or uh, case. I don't know. It's There's a lot of these companies in Southeast Asia that actually, like, they thrive off of the, like, classic console generations and, oh. you know, and all this different stuff. And they, they, like, they'll even make their own mimic consoles. Oh. And uh, it's, it's it's really quite a thing. Fascinating. Yep. Uh, we got an HDMI cable for $9.99, display port to HDMI, Cablor gold-plated. Very nice. Yep. Um, we got the... Now, this is cool. Somebody, and they got the last one because it's currently out of stock. Somebody got a production cell from the Land Before Time original movie animation. Wow. After we just talked about it. After we just talked about it. And what's happening in the cell is uh, Littlefoot's mom and Littlefoot are swimming in this like lake. They're just, it's so sweet. I love those movies. It's a beautiful scene too because it has lots of colors in it. Oh my god, that is so freaking cool! That's great, awesome movies. Even I though they kind of turned into musicals stuff on later, Amazon. yeah, that's awesome. Nineteen eighty-eight. So I was four years old when that came out. Wow, I was seven. <laughs> I remember it. Wow, that is a cool find. I'll tell yeah. you. Uh, somebody got some L-lysine. L-lysine is an amino acid, and what is lysine supposed to do? It's supposed to build muscle 
and stimulate insulin release, I guess. Um, what is the thing about lysine? Lysine is one of those amino acids that contains like an extra nitrogen, I think. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. I'm like biochemistry. Let me look at this. Um, yeah, it does. It contains an extra nitrogen. And so it support it's extra nitrogen for muscle mass. And it also has something where it triggers extra insulin release. Like it can, usually sugar triggers insulin release, but also lysine does for some reason. And it, it makes you produce growth hormone hmm. and growth hormone is supposed to help with athletic recovery. That's why people take it. Um, and it's been a while since I've looked into this, but all this biochemistry is coming back. Uh, enjoy your L-lysine. Squatty potty. We have a squatty potty that somebody got. Fantastic. The original bathroom toilet school. And now we promoted the squatty potty all through season one of our show. Nobody yeah. bought it through our, <laughs> like, <laughs> even though we had thousands of listeners, but somebody bought it on Amazon. A couple people did. So I think that shows that we're going in the right direction with this, uh, with this Amazon thing at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. I concur. <laughs> So yeah, that was pretty cool. The squatty potty, I will say, we have them in all of our bathrooms at home, and I feel naked without them when I go poop somewhere else, or even pee. It makes it easier to pee as well. Um, I just, I think, of course, they, you are kind of naked in the bathroom, but sometimes, yeah. yeah. We don't want to take away all the mystery here, Brian. That's true. I mean, we're not on that basis with our listeners. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so now comes some of the Halloween stuff, because I think we're into the kitchen category, and I'm just waiting for this to load here, but we've got, like, I saw some kind of Jolly Roger thing that was, uh, coming up. Oh, okay. Armor Products Glass Etching Cream. I don't know what you do with this, but something to etch glass? Like, little gritty stuff? I don't know. I don't even know anything about etching glass, but... Apparently, this is what they're using it for. Who knew? (laughs) Maybe they're making some frosted glass thing for Halloween. Or maybe they're just making like a craft project to put on Etsy. Or maybe they're doing some sexual thing with it. Who knows? Really? Yeah, I don't know. What what sexual thing could you possibly do with glass etching cream? I really don't know, but you freaks will think of something. It's probably a bad idea. (laughs) It's probably a bad idea. Now, no judgment, Brian. We don't want to be judgmental, right? Somebody got an a um, iPad Air lightning connector. All right. So, oh, it's a, st- no, actually it's a stand. It's a square A SKU 0020 stand for iPad Air lightning connector. So it's like one of those things where you can make a tablet into kind of a computer, I guess. It's a stand. Yeah, it's a that's... stand. Yeah, it's a $100 stand. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, well, very nice. Thank you very much for shopping through. I mean, an iPad stuff. Air. Sex and Science Hour. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty serious machine, so why not set it up like a computer? That's cool. In the this is another uh, Kindle book. Someone got a book called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones: A Collection of Zen and Pre-Zen Writings by Paul Reps. It was published in 1957 originally. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I guess it's like the Zen movement in America. Yeah. I don't know. You can give me a a book report if you guys want to. (laughs) Anytime you get a book on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, feel welcome to give us a book report afterwards. Yeah. Because we like that. We like, we want to know what the book is about without actually having to read it by ourselves. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Somebody got some little cute, like water, like sippy cups for kids. Contigo 14 ounce auto spout gizmo flip kids water bottles. French blue shark attack and ruby owl eyes. Eyes on you. 
Nice. So this is there's one with like a the blue one with like a shark swimming, and then there's like a red one with like little owls peeping at you. Now these are cool. I wish they had these for adults. These are like a water bottle with a built-in straw, and then you flip it up and you take a sip through the straw. Like I kind of want that to just sip on all day. Don't you think that'd be cool? Sure. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Okay, so here's the Halloween thing. HDE skull and post HDE Skull and Crossbones Jolly Roger Pirate Ice Cube Tray. Nice. They are really cute. I wonder if this is the same kitchen who got the dino pasta thing. The <laughs> Pastasaurus. <laughs> and the companion shapes. to the Pastasaurus that we saw the other week. Um, now they can have Skull and Crossbones Ice Cubes. I think that's pretty cute. I could love. I could go for some... Uh, Skull and crossbones ice now, cubes. Especially if that's for like kids. I mean, even if it's for adults, it's great. But if it's for kids, I think it's wonderful because like, you know, when it, when a kid experiences, say like they go online and they see the pirate bay or yeah. they see a lot of various, you know, then they'll have a positive stuff. connotation with exactly. it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Train him from a young age. Right. They see piracy as like, you know, well, you're not going to like this next one because if this is a training expedition, we got the Doctor Who silicone ice cube tray and chocolate and candy mold that is shaped like a TARDIS and Daleks from wow. Doctor you Who. Know, you go all the way up, you go to the highest highs, and then you just go to the, the lowest, lowest lows. lows. <laughs> you don't like Doctor Who. I, no, I've never watched that. it. I've never gotten into it, but Brian thinks that it's a thing where... Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but you think it's a thing where everybody's like, oh, yeah, I like Doctor Who, but they're not really nerds, right? No, well, okay. I love Doctor Who 1998 and back. In fact, actually, I like Chris Eccleston in 2005. I thought he was fantastic. Okay. I don't like Doctor Who today. I, I don't like, I don't, I mean, I get it. David Tennant was, was a great actor. He did a good job, blah, blah, blah. I understand. But I think it is just total bullshit that people are making dresses out of the TARDIS that like, like the marketing hype, the machine or it's become mainstream. It's well, become corporatized. Yeah. Not it, nerdy anymore. Well, it's not nerdy. I mean, I don't know. It, like it's, it, it's just, it's really lost something like it, it's not, I don't, I don't get it. I just, I, I don't, I don't understand like the rabidness around modern Dr. Who, because it doesn't compare to the shit like Sylvester McCoy, Tom Baker, you know, even Paul McGann and some of these other guys. Like I just, I'm, I'm lost. I don't, I don't understand what is so goddamn amazing that people are like making TARDIS or buying TARDIS cookie jars you know, or making dresses out of it. I mean, it just seems or ice cubes even, or even ice cubes. We also got an X high bay, which probably means it's made in China. I'm guessing Halloween skull ice cube chocolate crayons mold. Nice chocolate crayons. Where do the chocolate crayons come in? Oh, you could make chocolate or crayons. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. got it. That'd be amazing. By the Eating way, break <laughs> breaking news. My friend texted me and said, I got a new phone recently and I named it Bitch Ass Motherfucker. Love it. <laughs> yep. How that's do you know great. it's my wallet? It's <laughs> Bitch Ass Motherfucker. <laughs> little pulp fiction there. All right. Uh, somebody got a plastic stepping stool. This is by Geronic and it's an 11 inch plastic folding stepping stool and it's black. It's your favorite color, Brian. We There's need one colors? of these for the kitchen. Yeah, there might be other colors, but really the only true competitor is, is black. Right on. Somebody got a Moto G fourth generation black 16 gigabyte unlocked prime exclusive uh, phone. 
Maybe this is bitch ass motherfucker. Maybe this is bitch ass motherfucker. Yeah, but look at the price. It's $149. Right. That's, that's cheap. cheap. That's really but cheap. That's be- it's subsidized by Amazon. Prime exclusive with offers and ads. Right. Oh. Right. Now they also did a bitch so, ass motherfucker yeah, indeed. Amazon did this and they <laughs> put a ton of their software on there. Like this is this is really really clever on Amazon's part because their own phone failed. But what they did is they made a deal with uh, the company Blue BLU yep. out of Miami and they have a $50 Android phone that you can buy with not terrible specs and then they have their higher end which is the G4. Um, so I'm not knocking anybody for buying this or taking advantage of it by all means, you know, I'm just saying that under, you know, like that's, that's the gaff or that that's, that's the trick to this whole thing. Right. So you did, if you really did buy an Amazon phone, mm. um, you know, it just has a more, it just has, it's Android just blatant. It. It's the model that computers of $200 computers, but they put it on a phone. Right. I mean, even it, to be fair, even when you buy a phone that supposedly isn't the Amazon ad special, it still has a lot of bloatware and tracking devices on it. Yeah, a lot of your mid-range phones and some of that, they like, yeah, pretty much if you're paying less than $400 for a phone, there's some subsidizing going Even on. Even if you are paying 400 I think. I don't know. No, well, S- Samsung, I mean, it depends. If you're getting it through Verizon, then mm-hmm. you're getting forced some right. shit. Okay, but if you're buying them unlocked, Samsung, I mean, they put their own stuff on it. But some of their stuff's really good. Um you know, but you're not, you're not really like, you're not necessarily getting, I don't know, like the Kindle app automatically on there or something like that. Right. So, uh, we got a TV, somebody got a TV through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. It's nice. pretty cool. Samsung UN40H5003, 40, 40 inch, Woo. 1080p LED TV, Good 2014 job. model. It's $249 price point and free shipping. Great. That's pretty cool. Just in time to watch football. Yeah, football's on. Yeah, so now I they guess. want you to watch it on Twitter. On Twitter? Yeah. Twitter made a deal with uh what? with a lot of the sports groups or you know, sports wow. organizations and you, you could watch the game the other night on on Twitter. It was uh something else. Wow. Yeah. Well, we also got a screwdriver because we're all screwed in some way. Klein Tools eleven in one screwdriver slash nut driver with custom grip. And it has little interchangeable heads that you can put on it. Nice. So it has, you know, Phillips flathead, everything's all in one. Uh, that's handy. That's definitely handy. We should get one of those. And then somebody got a, a hammer, a stalwart 75, 16-ounce tubular steel claw hammer for four ninety nine. Good job. And then last but not least, now I don't know what you really do with this, but, uh, well, I guess you do. Um, somebody got a Danko toilet seat bumper kit, four-piece. Bumper? So, like, I guess it's when you put the toilet seat down, it doesn't, like slam down and go oh that's nice i like that bumpers i mean right what else would you use it for yeah um and that's it that's kind of anticlimactic but (laughs) we did pretty well Well, you know so it ended off in the toilet which is you know maybe we're it ended off in the toilet right where it began (laughs) yeah Thank you for listening to our after show. Thank you for listening to our regular show. If you have comments, you can contact us through our website, sexandsciencehour.com. While you're there, you might as well go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and go shopping on Amazon. Get your favorite stuff. Tell a friend. Tell two friends about the show. We take donations, too. You know, you can always send us money directly via PayPal or Bitcoin. It's on our website, sexandsciencehour.com. Show comes out every Friday, but there's only going to be one more show in this season because we're taking a little break. But we'll be back with season three 
free right after that. And meanwhile, if you get bored or lonely, you can listen to our entire back catalog of shows. We've got season one and the entirety of season two right there on sexandsciencehour.com. Yeehaw. <laughs> so I think that's going to do it for us. Good night, Brian. Well, wait a minute. Who am I kidding? I'm still going to talk to you after the show. Yes, yeah, so we're going to bed. Good night, all you people. It's going to be taking place. <laughs> we'll see you next time. This has been Sex and Science Hour. Have a great week.